0: father before we come to your word this morning which we invite to come and speak into our lives father our hearts are stirred by all sorts of things we see across the nation and across the globe father we pray for all of those suffering from this awful virus right now father we pray that you will bring healing and restoration and Lord, we pray that this virus will end in the world in the name of jesus Father, we pray for all of those serving selflessly on the front lines in the NHS. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them, enable them, refresh them, keep them protected and keep them well, we pray, as they serve others. All of those involved in the vaccines, Father, we pray that you will bring provision and order and we pray that there will be great breakthrough in that area, we pray, in the nations. And Lord... Our hearts have been stirred this week by things that we've seen over in the States. And Father, we pray for peace in that nation and we pray for unity in that nation. And Lord, we pray your people will be representatives of a unity of heaven. Lord, we pray that there will be the peace of God which passes all understanding in that nation, we pray. And Father, there are so many events around the world and to think that you are not just aware of the headlines, but you're aware of every micro story, every tear that's grieved, every suffering that people are encountering, all those who've lost loved ones on that plane in Indonesia yesterday, all of those who are experiencing heartache and job loss, and those who are experiencing the most extremes of poverty. Father, we pray for your grace and your provision and your blessing upon them. Now, Father as we invite your word to search us, to feed us. May our hearts humbly come before you to hear from you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. I almost said please take your seats. If you're stood in your living room, you can do that. Uh, But if not, just get an extra cushion and make yourself extra comfortable right now. And thank you, team, for leading us. And I want to just applaud the flexibility of our team's once again not just our staff team but our volunteers in order to bring this into your home and we have some amazing prayer warriors in our church and they have been praying faithfully now for many of them for many decades but over this very tricky time in the nations they have been particularly stepping up their prayers and i just want to honor all our prayer warriors in the church, and I wonder if we could, all of those in the room, give a big cheer, and all of those at home, just give a cheer, a big shout out to all our prayer warriors in the church right now. We love you, we appreciate you, thank you. We believe, believe prayer makes a difference. You know, last week, I began an introduction into a series that we're gonna look at for the next few weeks, and I encourage us all to have holy hands, I encourage us to set our faces like flint, and I encourage us to make sacred spaces wherever we go. It was an introduction to a series that over the next few weeks we're going to look at called Kingdom Tear. We were mindful, we are mindful of this new word, well, it's not a new word, but we don't really use tears that often in the language of our lives. But it seems to have become a very familiar word to us. And over recent weeks and months in the autumn, we were introduced in the UK to a set of tiers. And depending on which tier your geography was in meant that there were certain things you could do and certain things you couldn't do. It's not a new concept uh, about geography changing things that we do. If you've traveled the world, you will be aware that where you go, there are often different expressions of both rules and laws and cultures. If you travel to other parts of Europe from the UK and you think, oh, I'm British, I'm going to do what I want, then I'm sorry, you're going to cause a bit of a disaster on the roads when you drive on the wrong side. We know that when we travel, there are some things that are applicable in some areas and not in others. And of course, not just those serious consequence laws like that, but sometimes the customs It's often advisable before you go to another country to find out what their cultural uh, guidance is on things like giving tips and so on. We understand different areas have different ways of expressing themselves, both through their laws and their cultures. And the tears, they have come into the UK and they have meant that there are different things we can do in different places. And I was reminded as I was thinking about these tears that have been affecting and impacting on all our lives, I was thinking of the verses in the scripture that say that we are not of this world. Jesus said in John 17, I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not Of the world, even as I am not of the world. What a powerful statement that this was by Jesus, because people were aware, those who'd had the revelation of who he was, that he is indeed the one who is outside of time. He's the one whose resources draw from heaven. Even Satan himself said that if you throw yourself down from this place, there'll be myriads of angels that could come. You can turn these stones into bread. Basically, even Satan was saying to Jesus, there are resources you have that are out of this world. But Jesus is saying here to his followers, to you and to me, that you are not of this world. There is a tier, a kingdom tier that those who belong to the Lord are called to live in. There are times when this kingdom tier will cause us to stand out. It will cause us to be people that are distinctive. Of course, we don't just try to be different. But there are times when living according to the kingdom of God that we are different. We should stand out. There are times when the things that we do to stand out will receive the plaudits and be celebrated by others. But there are times when the things that we do because we are not of this world will receive ridicule. And people will not understand the dance because they don't hear the music that the people of God are hearing. We don't live in such a way as to get a reaction. We live in such a way to be true residents of the kingdom of God, the kingdom tier. In the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the practices The customs, the expectations, the resources, the hopes, and the boundaries of the kingdom of God, who we are residents of. But there's only one place I can start this series. Because at the heart of the kingdom of God, at the heart of a kingdom tier, is not what we do but it is who we are. We can't talk about how we live in the kingdom and until we understand who we are in the kingdom. I love in the very beginning of the scriptures, Genesis 1, we are told that so God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Many of us have uh, developed all sorts of new technical experiences over the last nine months or so. Well done to all of you that have learned to use a computer or a smartphone or a tablet. It has been phenomenal to see the adaptions that have been made. I love it when we have people in their 80s on our Zoom prayer calls, prophesying over other households and calling upon the name of the Lord. Well done to you. It's amazing. But do you know they say that when people are on video calls, that they often spend quite a bit of time looking at their own picture? I don't know if that's you. I think that when this is all over, we're going to have to install mirrors in our offices just to help us to cope with the lack of looking at ourselves. But do you know, when people look at us, when we look at each other, we should see the image of God stamped upon the people of God. That our reflection is the reflection of God in our lives. We are made in his image. 2 Corinthians 3 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, behold in the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Unveiled faces being transformed into the glorious image of Christ. You see, when some of us look in the mirror And we should see the reflection of the glory of God. Unfortunately, what some of us see is a bit like what I see some people who have a smartphone with a nice big screen on it and they have put it in their pocket along with some keys and there are cracks in the screen. And when they look at it, they can see the image, but it's distorted. It's got brokenness to it. Or when you go to one of those old fairgrounds and they've got the hall of mirrors and some of them make you look really big and some make you look slim and some make you look wavy. This world has corrupted and distorted and has confused the image that you and I have been made in the likeness of God. And so Jesus came to take that brokenness, that distortion, and to transform us from glory to glory, to make us as we were designed to be. And I, I believe that one of the great challenges of our day is the poor image that people have about themselves. I thank God for all of those who are able to sit down and talk and help and provide guidance and provide support because much of that brokenness has come from, uh, come from things and incidents that have happened in this world that have helped break the screen of their lives, helped distort the image of their life. But I want you to know that you can only really truly find that image in Christ. And so part of the lostness of the brokenness of the image that people have about their lives is an expression of a desire that's built within them to long to be who they're designed to be. The mantra of this world is just be yourself. Well, that isn't an expression that says just do what you want. Be yourself is going back to your design. It's it's not... It's not building something dodgy from, a, from a, a, a flat pack furniture store and doing it wrong and just saying, I'm just, this cupboard is wonky, this cupboard wobbles, this cupboard doesn't have straight shelves. It just is being who it is. That's not what it is. You have to go back to the original instructions and you have to say, what is it designed to be? Let's fix its brokenness. And the broken image in society needs to go back to the very formation, the very start of who we're designed to be, which is the image of God. You were designed to be the image of God. And too many people are living with wonky shelves, with broken images, with distorted screens and saying, this is just who I am. It's not who you need to be. You can experience being transformed from glory to glory and being healed. Having a true understanding of our value and our identity is so, so significant. If I said to you, I would like you to look after an item for me, and I handed it to you, your your conscientiousness of looking after that item would differ depending on which of the next phrases I gave you. If I said, and by the way, this item I'm handing you is priceless. It is worth millions. There is not another like this on the earth. You you might handle it with some shaky hands and thinking, I hope I can look after this well you'd be very conscientious about looking after that item. But if I handed you an item and I said, please look after this, but if it breaks, it doesn't really matter. I've got 10 more of them. It's, it's, it's a piece of junk, really. Your understanding of the value of that item determines how you look after it. And the understanding of who you are determines how you live. It's why when we look at a kingdom tier or the kingdom of God, that we have to start with who we are, with our identity, because it makes a difference. Because if we take that out, all we have is a list of do's and a list of don'ts and a list of rules, and it becomes what we call religion. And there are too many people that are praying because they believe that it's what they should do. Too many people lifting hands in worship because they believe it's what they should do. And there are also people who don't lift their hands in worship and they don't pray and they don't read the scriptures because they've just been a bit more of an honest version of their brokenness. But the answer is to know who you are. Let me help you with this. I find people often make poor decisions in their life because they don't think they are very valuable. You may have observed this in your own life. Maybe you've made a series of bad choices. Maybe you're someone who's got a string of failed relationships behind you. What painful incident, no one volunteers for that. No one says, do you know what? I'm gonna look for a dodgy guy or a dodgy woman to start a relationship with. No one does that. Everyone goes in with hopes and dreams. But there are people who have a trail of those devastating relationships in their life. If that's you, I don't condemn you. I feel for you. The pain that you are multiplying on yourself time after time. But let me tell you something that's at the heart of that. That you don't believe you're worth very much. And so you're compromised. And you've gone into areas that people are thinking, Oh, I'm not sure about that. But you've gone into it because you don't believe very much about your life. You've not built boundaries around your life because you don't think you're very valuable. And I want you to know, when God looks at you, He sees how He made you. He sees beyond the broken screen and distorted mirrors. He sees His nature in you, and it is so valuable you are one in billions of people that no one has been made exactly like you i find it incredible that in all the science of the earth that they still know that all of our fingerprints are absolutely unique our code embedded into our into our chemistry and our dna is unique how is that How is it evolution, if that's what people believe, how has it developed everybody being unique? I tell you why. It's because you were made uniquely in the image of God. You are valuable. There is no one like you. And God sees that and believes that over your life. To live victoriously in the kingdom of God, to live victoriously in the kingdom tier, it's essential to know who we are. Too many people try and have a victorious Christian life without experiencing the healing power of Christ on their damaged image. On the verge of Jesus going to the cross, he says these to his followers in John 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus speaking to you and saying, you're not a servant. Other translation says slaves. Now let me get this right. I want to serve the Lord. I want to be a faithful good and faithful servant. But Jesus is saying, whoa, if your understanding of your relationship with me is as a worker, you have it wrong. I have invited you to be a friend. I was reminded of the words of the prodigal son that had lost everything, had messed up, he was living in his shame, and he was surrounded by the manifestation of his failure. And he said, I have run out of options, I've run out of friends, I've run out of money. This shame that I carry in my life surely will be better if I express myself as a servant in my father's house. You know, as I was preparing this, I believe I heard that there are some of you, you know God loves you, you love God. You know something of the kingdom of God. You know some things of the blessings of God in your life, but you're living like a servant. You're living like a slave. Your understanding of who you are. You have come to the Father and said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Therefore, I will go and ask about becoming a servant. I want you to know, it's not how God sees you. He calls you a friend, a son, and a daughter. Being saved is one thing. Being shown the kindness of God is beautiful. Being helped by God is wonderful. And may we accept all of these things in our life. But friendship, surely, if God is offering us friendship, that's what we should reach out and receive. Friendship is something that we've compromised in life today. In our culture, some of those we call friends may just be acquaintances, they may just be a click on a Facebook page, there may be colleagues, there may be people that we've had some brief occasions with. But friendship to Jesus is much, much deeper. In fact, he says in that verse we just read that I tell you everything. Because you're my friends. That's what we do. We open our hearts, we share our lives. There is nothing held back. Those who Jesus has called friends in the gospel, let me tell you who they include. In Matthew 11, we read Jesus quotes his accusers who are mockingly calling him this, a friend of some of the most vile, some of the most disenfranchised, some of the most shame-filled people in society, tax collectors and sinners. That's what they called Jesus. And they called him that not because they had a theological conversation, but because they saw it. It seems to me that out of all the people Jesus chose to be with, he was attracted to people who were broken. He was attracted to those who looked in the mirror and went, Uh, He was attracted to those whose image is distorted by the things of this world and who know that they're broken. That's why they called him a friend of sinners. His heart is drawn to the broken failures of this world. But this is amazing. In Luke 15, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners, those people that Jesus hang out with, it said they were all drawing near to Jesus. There was something about him. Despite their shame, despite their brokenness, they wanted to be with him. Let me tell you why. Because he saw past the brokenness and he offered them healing, he offered them love, and he offered them friendship. At the heart of who we are, we are friends of God. We are not his projects, we are not his employees, we're not his subjects, we are his sons, his daughters, his friends. A broken, distorted image doesn't put him off us, it attracts him. But we need to allow this truth to fill our lives to embrace every area of our brokenness. And you have brokenness. Maybe the band could come and join me right now. You have brokenness in your life. You have areas. You may not collect taxes fraudulently. You may not be regarded by other people in your community as a sinner, but you know your brokenness. You know the distortion of your life. You know how far away you are from the standards of God. Don't hide like Adam and Eve did. As he calls your name, come near to him. We live as friends, sons, daughters, lovers, full of hope, full of life. Let's pray together. If you're listening today and you don't know Jesus, you don't think you've ever deserved to know him, Welcome to the club. And he's attracted to you. And he calls you friend today. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your friend, it says that we have to acknowledge that we've missed the mark, we've failed, we've made mistakes, we have shame around our lives. And invite Jesus, who through his death and resurrection on the cross, paid the price for your failure and shame. And he offers you his forgiveness today. And he offers you to fix the brokenness of your life. To replace your anger with his love. To lift off all of your fears and replace it with his perfect love. To set you free. He wants to be your friend. Let's pray together, church. If you know Jesus, would you pray for those who are watching who don't right now? Jesus, thank you that you call us to be your friends. Despite the mess of our lives, we thank you for your love. And we ask you to forgive us of all the shame, all the failures. Come and wash us on the inside. Purify us of everything that's been broken and wrong. Fill us with your spirit. Set us free with your love. Thank you for inviting us to be your friends in Jesus' name. And, church, just before we sing our final song and go into our notices together, maybe you've been living as a slave. Maybe you've said there are others that are really good Christians that can be the friends of God, but not me. That's not how it is. You're quoting your brokenness there. Jesus says, I've called you to be a friend. So our prayers, our time in his word, it's like opening a text from a friend and saying, what's he saying to me today? Our prayers are conversations with the one who draws us close. To sit in his presence is to invite his love to come and heal us. If your cupboard is a bit wobbly, if your shelves are a bit crooked, If you're not functioning as you should, you are being transformed from glory to glory, but you are a friend. So, Father, I pray that your perfect love will cast out all fear and will cause us to know friendship of God, present and manifest and at work in every area of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name.